it's a banger. Starting the post-Christmas time. Bringer. Bringer. Howdy, Cooper. Hello, Matthew. How are you, sir? I'm all right. How you doing? Eh, I'm actually starting to feel human again. <laughs> hey, that's good. It's been many moons. I basically am now calculating my life in the, the time before this last period of AIDS and the time since. And uh, so far, I'm really enjoying the time since. What's up, Xavier? In the chat. So wouldn't that be? That'd be like a before would AIDS be good and after AIDS. Yeah, yeah, before and after AIDS. Yeah, yeah. This is our this is our new measurement of time. What would be the like the CE BCE equivalent? That's really insufferable. Um. Uh, it would, well, it would have to be like, and like it couldn't mention the AIDS, be like nothing. Yeah, like it would like be it'd like have nothing. to, re- <laughs> it'd have to like refer to the AIDS, uh, like in, in negation. Yeah, like I don't know, like oppression before oppression and after oppression. <laughs> yeah, <something>. yeah. <laughs> what's up, Jonathan Hemingway? Appreciate you guys. Thank you for showing hey, up, Xavier. Here. What's up, dude? Uh, before I wanted <clears throat> to just give a shout out here real quick before we get going. Uh, shout out to Tatiana. Uh, she's a very loyal listener. She's been here in the chat a few times. She tagged me on Facebook and she said, friends who are YouTube creators, please tell your viewers to check that they are subscribed. YouTube is unsubscribing people. I can actually vouch for this. There's a couple of channels that I knew I was subscribed to that I just realized strangely I wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. It turns out most of our viewership is actually uh, comes from subscribers. I think something like 65% of our, our views come from subscribers. Um our, our big thing is we need to get people who, who aren't subscribers to start listening. Uh, but if you are listening and you notice, or I would say go check and see if you're still subscribed. And if you're not, then please do. Um, and I would say do the same for any other uh, uh, show that you watch regularly on YouTube. Go check and make sure that you've been, you're still subscribed. And while you're at it, you can turn on the little bell notification so you'll actually get notified when we go live. Um, so thank you, Tatiana, for pointing that out. Um, you guys can go do that. You could also like this stream and uh, and then share it with a friend. This is going to be kind of interesting, kind of an interesting one, because um, I've put a particular phrase in the title based on one of the subjects that we're going to touch on today. And I have a feeling that most likely the uh, there's probably a little informational warning banner from from our hall monitors on this video now as you're watching it. I'm going to guess <laughs> hey, uh, because Matt. the phrase flat earth is in the title that it's most likely going to inform you that flat earth is a pseudoscientific theory that is only put forth by absolute nitwits. Um, what they don't know is that I am an absolute nitwit. So perhaps this theory is perfect for me. Josiah says, why is Matt so quiet? Am I quiet to anyone else or is Josiah just being that guy today? I don't see any reason why the audio should He's be that different guy every day. last time. Yeah, your mortal enemy. I guess that's assuming that that's actually the Josiah. Maybe we have another Josiah. Can we replace our Josiah? Can we upgrade to a better one? <laughs> yeah, please. I want to return. Yeah. This, pro- this product is defective. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of looks like a looks and looks like a Neanderthal and talks like a wizard. I don't know what to do with him. <laughs> I'm louder. Xavier okay. says Coop is louder. Okay. Turn myself down. Am I better? Probably sounded too quiet. Not quite enough. Then move my Let's mic see. back we'll keep a little talking. bit. 
Maybe maybe my voice just got quieter when I was sick or something. Because I haven't touched anything. I haven't done anything with any of the controls. Um, yep, it's definitely Josiah. He says, my ears are Irish huge. <laughs> oh, so how was your Christmas, sir? Hmm. Well, the, the youngest one, I, you know, she woke up like a hour and a half earlier than she normally does and she's usually the first one up aside from aside from me so she was all like excited and i'm up drinking my coffee and she comes bopping out first thing in the morning at like 5 45 6 a.m and she sees the 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 presents that santa had left her she came up dad santa came it was really really cute (laughs) how old is she four Four. Yeah. I'll be there pretty soon. We, uh, so you guys, you guys do Santa. Do they, do the kids know that Santa is like, what's the kids' awareness of Santa? Well, the other day, they got from a church a couple of weeks ago for St. Nicholas Day, they got, um, they got little goodie bags, um, from the Sunday school teacher or some of the, maybe the, the sisterhood or something. And, uh, in them was the little icons of St. Nicholas, just printed off icons of St. Nicholas. When we got home and they're eating their goodies, I make mention that that's the real Santa Claus. And my wife looks over at me like, <laughs> they still believe in Santa. And I'm like, I didn't even think of it. I'm like, oh, I might have <laughs> might have slipped up, but it went oh. over their head. So as of right now, Coca-Cola Santa is still the guy. <laughs> So we, with Eastwood, we've, uh, uh, he's three now, just, just turned three recently. So he's kind of now to the point where he can actually even sort of conceptualize these sorts of things. Last year, we just, we didn't even really talk about it, but now he's kind of starting to become a little more aware. Um, I think he actually likes the Grinch better than he likes Santa or the Grunch as he calls him. Um, (laughs) have you, uh, have you introduced him to Krampus? No, no, not yet. Um, that'll be interesting. (laughs) Um, but, uh, so we, this year we kind of decided to, to hybridize it a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, so we had, we had some gifts that, uh, were given to him by St. Nicholas and he wrote a little letter. Amy helped him write a little letter, um, about, uh, uh, to, to St. Nicholas and put out some milk and some cookies and everything. And then one of Amy's favorite traditions from when she was a kid is, Uh, You go out in the front yard and you take some carrots and you tie them to a string or a rope and you toss it up on the, on the roof. And then uh, um, after the kid goes to sleep, then parents go out, you pull the carrots down, you gnaw and break them up and make it look like they were eaten, sprinkle some carrot shavings on the ground there and everything. And so then first thing in the morning, you get up and you come out and you go see what happened to the carrots. You, you pull them down and see, oh, the reindeer came and they ate them. So that was one of her favorite things to do with her parents when she was a kid. So um, so we've done that with him and, uh, he was, he was, he was just baffled. He was like, what? Like, I don't understand. We had to explain to him what happened and everything. And he was <laughs> like, he, he wanted, he was more interested in the ladder. He wanted to get the ladder out. He wanted to climb that. He wanted to look on the roof. He didn't really care about the, about the, the carousel that much. Um, yeah. but, uh, then Amy's godmother, uh, and his godmother, uh, wrote him a response as St. Nicholas. And, uh, so it was really cute. It was, uh, when he came out, he was looking looking at the cookie, and we left a few crumbles there to make it to remind him that the cookie had been there, and so then he wanted to eat the crumbles. Um, 
but uh but yeah so we'll see we kind of went through a little stage where we were going to try to be like like not even refer to santa at all just would, whenever we'd see him or he'd ask about him oh yeah it's a christmas guy you know he doesn't he doesn't matter and then we know like, yeah you gotta it it it, it wasn't going to work to do that so so we've introduced him to santa he knows i think knows santa's santa wonderful is. even even fake coca-cola santa i think is wonderful yeah and it should be yeah, part I've of everybody's christmas tradition I don't ever remember believing Santa was real, but I no, always have always known about him. I don't. There's, I'm sure there was a time where maybe I thought he was, but um, yeah. So that was our uh, our Christmas. I uh, I had AIDS, you know, for like ten days, and then uh, and then Eastwood came down with AIDS, and now Amy has AIDS. So uh, we're just a whole family of AIDS patients. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my boy has AIDS. Yeah, it's a regular Dallas Buyers Club in our house. He's been knocked out the past two days with big fever. Mm, poor kiddo. Yeah. All right. So uh, today we've got a, a couple different different subjects. Um, they're at least on their face they seem completely unrelated, but I actually thought of an interesting way in which uh, uh, we can actually relate them. So the first one is. Uh, on, on Christmas Eve, Tucker Carlson, our good buddy Tucker, uh, put out a very, very interesting uh, interview. And it caused all kinds of hue and cry, hullabaloo. I haven't, I haven't watched it. I'm, oh, perfect. I'm, we're gonna yeah, watch I haven't it. watched this. I haven't watched this. I saw like one or two thumbnails and a bunch of people spurging out. <laughs> so, Have you seen House of Cards? Yeah, I think I watched season one or something like that. Okay, okay. So you know who who Frank Underwood is. You 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 understand the character. It was a good show. Yeah, it was very very good, very compelling. Um, it was mm-hmm. in very very many ways. It was kind of like, huh? Okay, so they're they're telling on themselves. They're mm-hmm. they're they're actually this is this is kind of part documentary. We're seeing how how things actually work, and they're being very honest about it. Um, so it's. That makes this, I think, very interesting. There's a whole bunch of layers to this, and we'll kind of go through it. The interview is only seven minutes long, so um, I figure we'll just we'll just play through it and uh, and pause it in a few points and highlight a couple of interesting. Kevin things. Spacey really nailed the part too. Oh yeah, he's he's probably because he's, he's one of them. Been, yeah, right, right. He's always been like for when I was really young. I remember watching movies and really enjoying him. But mm-hmm. he's always been on my like Mount Rushmore of favorite actors. So his revealed escapades over the past several years have kind of uh been have made that disappointing but actually that's something that that will come can't you separate the art from the artist i actually can pretty well Um, yeah yeah me too uh, and this they're all they're all degenerates like right right so like am i gonna am i gonna deprive myself of enjoying the 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 art can i can i just like uh, separate myself from the disbelief for long enough to just, you know, enjoy the, the art for what it is. It's not like plenty of the, the ancient uh, writers or thinkers or famous characters, whatever, were all degenerates themselves. And especially there's the nobody French who's French. right. Yeah. They're, I mean, being French is just kind of degenerate in, in its own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But there's nobody who's going back and like reminding you, finger wagging you at all the, the, the bad things that, I don't know, so whoever, whatever favorite person of yours in the past is. Uh, Plato did X, or Aristotle did Y. Right. Yeah, right, they're yeah. pagans. So like, what do you, okay. Right. Yeah, like Aristotle thought women were defective men. Like, okay, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> he, uh, he also uh, thought, 
he also thought that women had more teeth than men, which I always found kind of odd because he was married. Like he could have just went and looked. Maybe she wouldn't let him look in her mouth. Or maybe maybe he was just married to a freak who had extra teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and he didn't go check anyone else. He wasn't like, hey, mom. You know? <laughs> All right. So so this is the uh, the the episode here. So a Christmas Eve election surprise. For those of you who don't know, Tucker Carlson left Fox News. He's got his own uh, Tucker Carlson network now, and he posts episodes on X, I believe, on, on Twitter. I believe this is the only place that he's um, that he's posting anything right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but uh, shout out uh, Tobias in the chat. He says, going to bed now, but hit me up when you have specific Flat Earth questions. Yeah, we're going to get into the Flat Earth uh, topic a little bit later here. Um, but uh, I had an interesting conversation with Tobias about this the other day. Um, and he's he's gone deep down that rabbit hole and... Uh, uh, can speak very knowledgeably to it. We'll, we'll get into the flat earth here in just a minute. Is he, through this thing. Does he have like a, a particular stance? He's, un, he's unconvinced on the, on the flat earth front for now. He's, he's unconvinced not, that it is flat or that. It yeah. Is, yeah. He's, okay. he's, okay. he's, he's a, he's a globe guy. Um, okay. He's open to being, con, to being persuaded otherwise, but for the time being, he just hasn't been, been fully persuaded. Okay. His globe. Yeah. Um, We'll we'll get into that more in a little bit a little bit more detail here in just a little bit. I don't have a position on this either. And I, ah, well, let's let's stay focused on this, okay. and then we'll because this is going to open would up say, a big conversation. Just I'll, I'll preface by saying I'm, I'm like tacitly in the globe camp just because that's the framework that I grew up with that I can't conceive of something other than that. But I'm not married to it by any any means. I'm totally open to whatever. Yeah, that's where I've been for a long time. Yeah, just give me a compelling Except, argument. Yeah, right, exactly. And I think I'm I'm starting to encounter some stuff that's the most compelling stuff I've ever heard. I wanted to share some of that with you guys a little bit. And, and um, we're not going to talk about it necessarily directly. Um, I have a different direction I want to go with it that this will lead into. Um, so, okay, we'll, we'll play through this. Let me know if you guys can hear it um, when I start playing it. And we'll, uh, we'll pause it as we go and talk about it. 2024 has not even... Is it good? Can you guys hear it? I can hear it. Can you, you can guys hear it? it? Okay. If you can hear it, they probably can as well. So I'm just going to play it. And if they can't, then we'll, we'll start it begun over. yet. And it does seem like the presidential race is effectively frozen in place, if not over. We know who the candidates are. It's too late for another to get in. Some have already dropped out. But is it too late? Is there anyone in this country of 350 million people? Saver says it's loud. All right, yeah. I'll pull it down. So just to point out here quickly at the beginning, notice the framing of the conversation here is talking about the uh, current selection or current crop of electoral candidates and the possibility of some new person coming in, which is kind of interesting to think about. The fact that you would even suggest, you know, may, what, could somebody else get into it means that there isn't like a really super clear, overwhelming front runner favorite it, it kind of implies that, that you would even ask this question kind of implies that. So who all is running? I haven't paid attention at all. Um, that I know of right now, there's um, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, uh, I think Chris Christie is still there. And then still Trump, He's still obviously. trying? Yeah. Yep. Trump, um, okay. Uh, the pagan and guy. Then, yeah, yeah, Vivek, the pagan guy, who, interestingly, recently he, uh, I, I posted this thing on Twitter, a, a video of his that he posted where he talked about the Ten Commandments, and he went and he listed off all the Ten Commandments from memory, and there was one that he missed. He very 
clearly skipped it and like missed it. And I'd be very surprised if it was a coincidence because can you guess which one it was? Um, the Hindu let's see. The, probably the second commandment about idols yes. or whatever yes. images. Yeah. Graven images. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. He skipped the graven images while he yep. was making the, the case for, he, you know, he's a Hindu, but he appreciates all the principles of American conservatism and he believes he can fight for them because he respects them. Yada, yada, yada. He lists off the 10 commandments and the one that he misses <laughs> is the graven images one. <laughs> mm. Um, Anyway, so this is the framing that, that Tucker has for, for this interview is surveying the candidates, the, the, the presidential candidate field, and is there the possibility of someone else coming in? What does Nikki Haley, what would what, 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 what I know her from? What, what does she do? She's anything the, interesting? Uh, uh, she was like the governor or something of South Carolina. I don't know. She? She's the Indian chick. Her name's like Nimrata something or other. <laughs> okay. Nimrod. Let's see here. Um, Nikki Haley. This chick. Founder of Ur. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, former governor of South Carolina. She's just, she's basically like. Is she another uh, pagan? Probably, yeah. I think she's, I, I think she converted to. I feel like it was kind of an interesting, uh, like, uh, let's see here, personal life. I feel like it was kind of an interesting, oh, United Methodist. I thought it was no. more interesting than that. Pagans are on the rise. Uh-huh. So she's she's basically just like Warhawk, Neocon. She's yeah, yeah, I figured. Bush, Clinton. Yeah, yeah. Along. She's, she's that, their pick. Okay. Oh, and I think uh, we completely forgot about him because he's so forgettable. DeSantis is still is still running. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's funny. I forgot about him. You forgot about him. Nobody even even mentioned him in the chat. <laughs> that's that's we're getting a little a little schizophrenic here, but like that is the Ron DeSantis campaign. I I, I can't remember a more catastrophic political failure than his decision to run for president and what it's done to his image. But dude, have you checked out the DeSantis war room? Oh my God. It's so bad. Like what? First of all, if your whole thing is you're going to run against Trump, why are you going to directly rip off one of his big things? The Trump war room. I, I how do you not have any person who's remotely competent with branding? Like, does it, does it never occur to you that maybe directly ripping off the prime opponent's thing isn't just lending credibility to him. Like it's yeah. lending legitimacy to him. His campaign is run by like boomers or HR millennials. It's HR millennials. Like that's yeah. the, it's all the, uh, like the people who were once like dissident right wing before the actual dissident right wing really kind of came into its own. So there it's like the David Rhea boy and, um, Pedro Gonzalez and that whole milieu of people that have really just you can kind of see they're becoming the new conservative ink they're like the standard bearers taking it from the neocons and they're they're just like neocon light they're they're they ostensibly are at odds with the neocons but when it comes to the most important issue of all you know they're immediately lockstep um michael malice is, is all caught up in that whole group of people the uh uh, what's the guy ben dominic uh the federalist all those kinds of people though that's that's desantis's crew and I mean, have you seen DeSantis's uh, uh, cowboy boots? I was going to ask, is he still wearing them? 
yeah have you seen the way that like he's very obviously wearing lifts like like lifts like this inside his shoes they look it looks super awkward he's got like these big floppy toes on the <laughs> on the cowboy boots it looks absolutely dreadful i i can't fathom how you, you got like possibly... an extra joint like a dog yeah yeah it does i mean so he's short and you don't like, you think he's going to pull poorly because he's short. Well, how about maybe you don't highlight the fact that you're, you're insecure about how short he is by having him wear obvious. Yeah. Lips. Didn't um. What's that other billionaire who ran on the democratic uh, ticket? Uh, Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloom. Didn't Michael Bloomberg like, didn't he do this? Didn't he, he had, like, I think he had a stool. Yeah. He, he had, had a stool, stool or something like that. Yeah. You, so you're just making the same mistake. Like Trump right. pounced all over that. He's gonna right. pounce all over this. Make you look like a moron. Hold on, I'm gonna let the cat out. She's trying to she's scratching at the door. Who's uh who's running on the Democratic ticket? The Democrat Party. The Dems. The demon rats. The de um, the demon rats. Yeah. Uh so far I think it's just it's just Biden. I don't think that there's any actual seriously named candidate or anything. There's people speculating, and I'm sure somebody will probably show up. But uh, the only other major speculation I've heard is Gavin Newsom, uh, and I, <laughs> that's just that's just political speculation. It's not even um, I don't think even rumored. He reminds me of. Like. I don't know, like Satan or something. Like I'm trying to think of like his his archetype. <laughs> Who does he remind oh, yeah. me of? What He's fictional character does uh, he remind me of? Uh, what Satan's is it? not fictional. Not um, not chaotic evil. What's the uh, what's the the opposite of it? You have chaotic evil, neutral evil, and lawful. Um, lawful evil. Yeah, he's he strikes me as like the absolute archetype of lawful evil. He just is a absolute snake. Like, I get the same vibes from him that I got from Jack Nicholson in The Shining. <laughs> yeah. Total sociopathy. Jonathan I don't, I don't says, know. Pedro Gonzalez has been very disappointing. Yeah, he has. I liked Pedro a lot following him um, throughout the Trump years. I thought he was fantastic doing, like, legitimate quality journalism, lots of long-form pieces and stuff that were very good quality writing. He's on Pete Quinones a few times, and he's gone fully – he's all on board with DeSantis to, to the point where like, it's very obvious he's being paid to write and say these sorts of things and just nitpick and go after Trump in the most petty, obnoxious ways. Ugh. It just, it, it's, there's no way that you get a guy as intelligent as Pedro who makes these sorts of, of just really amateurish mistakes, strategically speaking. Um, so, uh, Anyways, so we've we've made it 18 seconds through the video, so let's keep going. Okay. Who could jump in at this late date and re-scramble the calculus of electoral politics? Well, there may be someone, and in fact, you already know him. You know his face. And the question is, will... Interesting f turn of phrase there. You know him, you know his face. Will he get in this cycle? And that's my question for you. Well... That's really a decision for the people, Tucker. It's not something that I really think about or want to do. And Merry Christmas to you, too. So 
note, this is one thing like everybody pointed out. Note that he never actually introduces him, never says his name. He just refers to him as you. He doesn't actually, he doesn't say Kevin. He doesn't say Frank. He doesn't, he just says you. Just keep that in mind for down the road. But I've always believed that nothing should be off the table in life or in art. I think we could both agree that we need to get some adults back in the room. So if nothing should be off the table in life or in art. There's, you know, there's, I've, every line in this is, is a nugget. I've heard, I, I remember reading something about deep fakes. So I'm paying, I'm paying close attention to see if he has like six fingers pop up or something. <laughs> um, okay. Now I did see people me. spurging out. I did see a screenshot of this and people were spurging out about the pillow because it's like shaped like an M. So they're like, oh, the Masons. Oh, and it's also, it has the spiral on it. These spirals. It looks like, oh, so for, like the Nambla or whatever. Yeah, the, it's like the, the pedophile symbol that has that spiral. Is it? It looks pattern all over. It, it looks like the Greek pattern to me. It's. I think it's probably something like that. It's. Uh, I don't. Huh. That particular thing, I don't put a ton of stock in. But I also, you know, maybe. It seems like there's Easter eggs all throughout this video, so I wouldn't be shocked. Okay. Um, so Dr. Crispy Rothschild is saying the volume is low. The volume was high before, so I tried to move it in between to see if uh, if that's volume. Fine, volume of whom? Us or of the. I think video. of him. We'll see what he says. We'll keep it going here. So if that means taking on the chief executive role, well, that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make for this great nation. Adults in the room. I love it. I can see there's a bumper sticker. Is that your campaign slogan? Well, that's not a bad idea. Look, I think first our country needs to stop apologizing and stiffen up. I mean, look, we've got so many people running around with so many different issues like gun control, important issue. But let's be honest. The truth is... More people are killed by online trolls every day. That may be true. So gun control and online troll, he's making a, a play on words between those. Um, and he's making, so the, 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 the substance of it is he's saying, well, me gun control, there's this issue, but actually more people are killed by online trolls. Wait, what? Who's killed by online trolls? That, um, doesn't, that doesn't even begin to make sense. Saying all volume. I'm, I don't know what to tell you, man. If everything's yeah. relatively balanced and we're just quiet, turn your headphones up or something. Yeah, I don't. We haven't changed any of our volume settings until we started, and people said that uh, that we people were saying we're too loud and yeah, can't please everyone. Sorry. Right. Um, Doctor. My guess. Said... Go ahead. I was gonna say my guess is this whole thing is a troll. Yes, that's the joke. Yeah, and that's what Doctor Crispy Rothschild said: is that it's oh, a troll. So. That? If you start with that premise that everything is a troll, then it makes it very interesting to the, the things that they're choosing to, to point out here. The fact that if it's an online troll, the first thing he goes to talk about is online trolls, yet he talks about them in a negative, in a negative capacity, like more people are being killed by online trolls. We'll keep it going. True, actually, but then they're protected by the First Amendment. They and Tucker says that's true. That may be true, actually, but then they're protected by the First Amendment. Tucker obviously doesn't believe that more people are being killed by online trolls than by guns. So, like, these are the sorts of things that are, are people are like, oh, this, is, this looks so weird. I don't know why Tucker would do something like this. Well, obviously, Tucker would know that this would be perceived as weird. So we can assume that there's, like, a baseline level of, of, of uh, comprehension here. So 
granting Tucker knows it's going to be something really weird and he's doing it. So why is he doing something that's going to be perceived as really weird? There's got to be a reason for that. And before the, 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 the doom pillars come in and say, oh, it's just because he's one of them and blah, blah, save it. There's no, if that's true, great, fine. It's less interesting. And I'm interested in the thing that's interesting. What's more interesting to me is that this is being done for a reason. And I want to figure out what that is. And they can say whatever they want. You believe in the First Amendment, I assume. Of course I do. Look, people spewing ridiculous ideas is nothing new, and they should always have that right. But the problem is, somewhere along the way, we started listening. And we should remember the salient words of Benjamin Franklin, who said, do not believe anything of what you hear and only half of what you see. He wasn't telling people to stop talking. He was telling us to stop listening. So, so given mm. all of this, that this is, seems clearly like a troll, he quotes Benjamin Franklin saying, don't believe, believe what do you say? Don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And why are we talking about the First Amendment? Like, why, why, why is this? We've got a seven-minute video. We're two minutes into the video or a minute half into the video, and they shoehorn the First Amendment in. There's, so what, what are they trying to say here? So let's stop blaming bots and college kids and start telling leaders what leadership really means. Okay, so before there was lots of people, online trolls were killing more people than guns. Now let's stop blaming online trolls, bots and college kids, and start telling leaders what they need to hear. So he's, he's completely reversed what he said before. And uh, the other point is that he said that people have always been able to say um, like weird, uh, whatever, loony things. But somewhere along the way, we started listening. So who's being listened? There's something wrong with the way things are right now that has to do with listening to people saying absurd things. Given this is on Tucker's show, I'm guessing that the purpose of this isn't, oh, no, people started listening to fascists and fascists are taking over everything. That doesn't that doesn't jive at all. So this is a, a critique of listening to people saying silly, absurd things. And the conversation here is being platformed by the guy who of everyone in the mainstream is the closest to actually saying liberalism was a mistake. This is all I'm just just kind of putting the pieces together here and seeing what comes of it. And this is what I'm getting so far. I love it. But how do you do that? Well, this country is mired in so much contradiction and confusion, we don't even know how we can help anyone anymore because we can't agree who needs help. I mean, what doesn't come with a trigger warning these days? I mean, Tucker, we are far too close to having a beanbag chair in the Oval Office. We coddle to everybody. Okay, you... Okay, so now it's, now it's, you know, old man yells at Cloud, like Boomer complaining about millennials wanting participation trophies. He's kind of playing with that meme. And he says... Um, everything is all confused and there's so many contradictions while he is making confusing contradictions throughout. There's a, there's so many levels of meta to this. You have any thoughts so far? No, keep going. Hey, you think you're a rabbit. That's fine. But let me tell you something. You sure as hell aren't going to see someone walking through my white house in bunny ears and a tail, unless it's Easter. Well, amen. But how do you think we got here in the first place? Fear, fear and then some more fear. That's been the consistent theme, fear. And that's why I'm gonna keep saying, we need to get some adults back in the room. Sounds like you're running. If you did run. Okay, so fear, 
obviously people have talked a lot about fear porn with with uh, the events of 2020 and with you know he's talking about trigger warnings and people being coddled and so people demonizing the fact that oh there's all these boogeymen out there and ruling on the back of fear this again it i'm not i'm not seeing so far where this is you know uh a regime operative convicted pedophile whatever yada 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 here to to uh just give the regime angle or something i'm definitely seeing a dis- a distinct different angle and i'm not saying that it's the right angle or it's our angle or he's our guy or anything like that i'm just detachedly just observing this and this is definitely pointing in a different direction I assume it would be as an independent. Well, I've always been independent my whole life, no matter what my party affiliation, even though at the moment I don't quite recognize my old party. So at what point would you get in if you did? Well, I think there's time. I've never been afraid to show up a little late for the dance. But lots of people want to be president. What would you specifically bring that others aren't? Well, I think I have a long and very solid relationship with the public, and that's a bond that has never been broken. I mean, I've almost felt like I can talk to them directly. Well, I mean, you do talk to them. Every Christmas you give a statement. It is Christmas Eve. What is your statement specifically this year? You know, Tucker, I think it's just good enough to sip some eggnog and decorate the tree and listen to White Christmas and embrace all the things that make this such a special day. The truth is, I love nothing better on this day than to do a line of blow, drink a whiskey and Coke, hit a reindeer with my car, and wish you all the naughtiest Christmas ever. You know, you and I have something in common. So this is, obviously, if you've seen uh, House of Cards, you're familiar with this this breaking the fourth wall thing. He does it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is what's being portrayed here is, on one hand, you have the guy who's kind of saying all the right things, who's speaking very pol- pol- politicianly, and, you know, he's, he's uh, talking about these kind of sentimental, romantic things about Christmas, you know, have the fire and your eggnog and just enjoy a white Christmas. So on the front, you get the the presentation of everything that seems, um, you know, just uh, uh, just simple and romantic. But then behind the scenes is degeneracy and violence. So it's he's it's almost like if you think of him as portraying the actual leadership class that we have today he's putting on a performance and showing you what the leadership class is, how the leadership class behaves. On one hand, they give you this nice, polished, scripted uh, presentation that's purely a performance. He's an actor. He's an actor acting. And he's an actor acting as an actor acting now in this video. So he's, he's going to give you the scripted, polished performance, but then he's going to give you the moment of honesty where he shows you what's actually going on. So it's like it's portraying the two-faced nature of the existing system. Hmm. Two thoughts. Thought number one, eggnog is awesome. Thought number two, if this actually is Kevin Spacey and not, not AI, this is way more interesting. Yes. That's – that – yeah. I don't really – the – Leaving aside the fact that there's, there is this technology out there that would completely blow our minds, and I'm sure they can actually make a completely true-to-life deep fake, and, and maybe we've already seen deep fakes all the time, and we had no idea. Maybe Trump in front of the Oval Office on January 6th was a deep fake, and you know, whatever. Like, leaving aside all of that, 
I'm looking at it, like scrubbing through it, looking at shadows and everything. I think it's actually him. I don't think it's a deep fake. And like you said, I think that's even more interesting if it's actually him. Mm-hmm. In common, actually. Oh, yes, we both got canned by our network. And wish you all the naughtiest Christmas ever. You know, you and I have something in common, actually. Oh, yes, we both got canned by our network. True. But they actually tried to kill you. Yes, but here we are, Tucker. Interesting. So, look. Uh-huh. <laughs> what, like, again, there's layers to this. Is this, is this talking about Frank? Is he talking to Frank Underwood? Is he talking to Kevin Spacey? Is he just, is he delivering a message about himself? There's, there's, is that message he's delivering about himself, if that's the case, is it true or is it not? There's, there's so many different ways this could be interpreted. Is this a video of Kevin Spacey going in and out of character? Or is this Frank Underwood the entire time? Or is this Kevin Spacey the entire time? They're like, is Kevin Spacey secretly our guy and all of this scandal was made up? That's where I was going to go with it. Okay. Wondering if that, like, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, the, 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 um, doubtful, but maybe. Right. Yeah. That's, that, that'd be my position on it. I'd be like, eh, probably like 20%, maybe. <laughs> you know, like, I'd still, like, 80% really don't think that he's our guy, but I, I, I I'm very open to I'm open to flat earth these new. days, so you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, same here. Um it's kind of like the uh, the the Roman Catholic uh uh piece of uh the the fiducia supplicans, I think is what it's called. The thing about uh the blessing the uh the the non-straight unions. Um, the gay individuals. Yes, right. What all of the the Catholics who who were coping about it, what they were saying is you don't believe the media with all this other stuff they say, but then the media says something about the Catholic Church, and then you just parrot it. Leaving mm -hmm. that conversation aside, I'm saying that phenomenon they're describing, you could theoretically apply that to Kevin Spacey's situation. Like, we don't believe anything in the media, but then the media tells us that Kevin Spacey is a, a murderous pedophile, and then we're, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll see, see, because it proves, it proves that there's murderous pedophiles in office. This is where the the you the, already the yeah, media system has has levels to it. You already, yeah, you already are taking axiomatically the position that there's murderous pedophiles. So you know you get an example of this. It just proves your priors, right? So there's they're going to sell also, you one, right? Right. It reminds me of that. What's that called? Something amnesia. You like Gelman reading through amnesia? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is where you're, um, uh, you're like, like read you, through a newspaper and. You find a subject that you're familiar with, and you're like, oh, this is total bullshit. Like, yeah, I can't wrong believe about they would print this. It's completely wrong. Then you flip the page, and you just, like, eat it wholesale. Right. Something that you're not familiar with, you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe that. Did you hear this? Yeah. So, yeah, they, they'll they actually play on the fact that you believe that there's, there's like, uh, cannibalistic pedophiles in office, and when they don't want... When they when they want to throw a guy under the bus, well, then what do they do? Well, just portray him as a cannibalistic pedophile, and and all the enemies of the regime will just go art 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 art. Looking back on all the drama, do you think that legacy media played a role in what happened to you? Look, I think they're trying to do their best to stay relevant. Look, platforms like X. 
I mean, you move information around so quick that everybody else is just playing catch up. Legacy media's diligence has turned out to be they just cut and paste what some trusted outlet does. I mean, look, this will be a good example. Watch how they report on this conversation. There'll be one or two headlines that get repeated over and over and over. I think mm. actually if Legacy Media... More meta. It's also interesting to think, so if he's Frank Underwood and he's talking about X, you're getting a like a weird breaking the fourth wall kind of uh, dynamic there where you have the character in the show talking about a real life phenomenon. Cause I'm pretty sure Twitter wasn't in house of cards. I didn't watch the later seasons, but like at least as far as the show is concerned in the house of cards universe, there wasn't Twitter. Maybe it was, and I just don't remember, but that, that it was kind of jarring hearing that like, this guy, this character from this universe talking about this thing from actual reality. This comment here, um, Xoni Bora. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce that. Sorry, man. Uh, welcome. First time commenter. Um, <clears throat> this is obviously performance art of the highest order. Unfortunately, we don't know who the real intended audience is. Yeah. That's what's really interesting. Right. Who are they talking is there to? There multiple intended audiences. If it was, I don't think it's it us. Was... I don't think so either. I don't like, that's why, that's part of why I'm kind of, uh, uh, hold your horses a little bit on the idea. Oh, Kevin Spacey's actually our guy. Cause I, I, you know, it, it doesn't, I don't feel like this is directed at us. I don't feel like we're the ones who are supposed to be getting this message. So, um, you know, there's so many different directions you could go with that, that, um, I don't think necessarily the takeaway here is, you know, Kevin Spacey is our guy. That said, I still Tucker's way idea. of this Tucker's way of telling some people he has blackmail on them. I kind of think dirt. so. Yeah. Yeah. And there's 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 so the conversation now has shifted. So they, they went First Amendment, legacy media, X, and then they're going to round out the conversation here over the next couple of minutes. But very obviously, the subject of this has to do with reality versus versus perceived reality or like as our friend uh two bit jason likes to say you have perception and conception where you can conceive of something and then you can perceive something and those th those things don't always uh necessarily line up and in this particular case it's very clear that there's levels of like somebody oh this is just a performance well that's kind of the point the the, the point is that this is a performance. It's demonstrating that these sorts of conversations that happen in this nice structured interview environment, they're all performances. Yep. They're performing it to prove to you that this is a performance and they're doing it with, to make it to like, I don't know, like completely uh, uh, make it as obvious as possible. They're using a fictional character to deliver the message. He's sincerely interviewing a fictional character weighing in on current events. This is like, this is really revealing the nature of, and this is where it could be a message that is directed at, maybe not us, but at, at the broader population, where it's kind of like, it's like a performance art piece that shows, hey, this is what's actually happening. This whole thing is all performance. We're doing an, a, an obvious elaborate performance to demonstrate how everything else is all performative. The whole thing, the whole perception of reality that you have based on what you're seeing in the media is one nonstop movie. This is like from, from the moment that you had 24 hour news programming 
That's when the movie began. The movie has been running nonstop. Everything that we're seeing through the media, through the television, through uh, internet journalism, this is all a performance. Many people who are involved in that performance don't even realize they're in that performance. They're, it's kind of like, uh, 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 what's, the, what's the movie? Uh, Jim Carrey um, lives in a dome, uh, the fake reality. Um, um, just completely spaced on the uh, Truman Show. Yeah. You get all of these people who are actually participating in this system, journalists, personalities, people following along. It's like each individual, one of them is Truman. They're all participating in this Truman show because they think it's real. But the whole thing is all performative. There's, it's not actually ever grounded in any kind of reality. It's, it's abstractions from reality, interacting with abstractions from reality, and together abstracting further from reality. We're all Truman. But then there's a, there's a degree We're to all which main characters. If... Well, yeah, main character syndrome is a is a is a increasingly a big thing. You got people in video games and people on social media, people doing live streams like what we're doing. Everyone starting to get main character syndrome. But it's interesting that like when if everything is a performance, then is anything a performance? Where is the line between performance and reality? Right, right. Is is all reality just performative? Are we all just performing all the time? You know, there's like Again, to, to quote Jason, the ritual and the reality are one. LARPing can actually be praxis. This is how you learn a new skill. You LARP at the skill until you actually begin to embody it. This is the foundation of religious ritual. You continue to partic participate in the rituals, and eventually you, uh, uh, you actually become one with the rituals. The media wants to survive. They're going to have to start slowing down. That's smart. I agree with that. By the way, do you watch Netflix anymore? Probably as much as you watch Fox. Fair. <laughs> so that doesn't mean that. <laughs> I know people think he's a goober when he does it. I absolutely fucking love it when when Tucker laughs like that. It's just it's like a little bit of his obvious humanity uh, leaking through that I like. There's also interesting, like contemplating asking a character on a Netflix show if he watches Netflix. There's another weird meta thing there. In that you're gone though from Netflix. I don't, I don't even know if you're aware of this, but every time a person pulls up the Netflix app, this angle here is the first one that really makes me think, like makes it Kevin Spacey looks kind of fake here. And it, it probably just, it could be easily explained as just the, the, the nature of the light. And there's plenty of camera angles that you can take that make it look fake, even when it's actually not. And that may be what's happening here. But I know that this is a very interesting camera angle to choose. Like actually showing him in the picture versus just shooting over his shoulder at Tucker. Because I don't think when it flips the other way, I don't think... They have a they have a, a a a shot of him without Tucker in the picture. So it's interesting that they have this shot of Tucker with him kind of awkwardly framed here in the picture. That doesn't mean that you're gone though from Netflix. I don't I don't even know if you're aware of this, but every time a person pulls up the Netflix app, you're there in some way. Have you seen this? 
Yes, you know what that is. Boom, boom. So it is bizarre that they decided to publicly mm. cut ties with me on allegations alone, allegations that have now been proven false, because I don't think there's any question. Netflix exists. This is where I don't, I didn't watch the last season or two of, of House of Cards, so I don't remember the details of the show. Um, and I, I can't, is that, when he's referring to allegations, is this, was there a, a plot line in the show that had to do with allegations and him getting, this is where things start, are starting to really get weird. Because is this now Kevin Spacey talking about his allegations and something that happened with Netflix parting ways with him based on his allegations that have now been proven false? Or is this, again, Frank Underwood talking about a plot line from the show? Even if it is Frank Underwood talking about a plot line from the show, the obvious subtext here is Kevin Spacey's actual allegations and the relationship with Netflix because of them. Yeah. Exists because of me. I put them on the map and they tried to put me in the ground. Do, do you think within Netflix and the leadership suites that your influence is still felt? Well, according to your research, my influence is felt every time every customer opens the app. I'd say that's pretty powerful. Oh, that's true. When are you getting back to work, by the way? Oh, I've been back at work from the moment we started talking, Tucker. So does that mean this is like an ep- Mm. Mm. I've been back at work since the moment we started talking. Is that since the moment we started talking to plan this episode? Is that since the moment the camera went on? He's been back at work. Another interesting one. An episode or is it real? Well, oh, it's probably a little of both. Episode or is it real? So does that mean this is like an episode or is it real? Well, it's probably a little of both. I mean, Tucker, what's hey, go true, back. what's false? How far? Yeah, right there. That's true. When are you getting back to work, by the way? Oh, I've been back at work from the moment we started talking, Tucker. So does that mean this is like an episode or is it real? Well, it's probably a little of both. I mean, Tucker, what's true, what's false? What's life, what's art? What's real, what's performance? I love it when these things intersect because then it gets interesting. What role do you see yourself playing? That's ob like now it's like, everything we've been talking about and kind of hypothesizing about now he's like he's putting a fine point on it. He's he's calling it out directly. What's real? What's art? What's what's performance? What's not? It's fascinating when these things intersect and you can't really tell the difference between them. Met the meta levels are off the charts. I love it when these things intersect because then it gets interesting. What role do you see yourself playing going forward? I will play whatever role the public wants me to play. And what about you, Tucker? What role do you want to play? I mean, if I run, I'm going to need... So that's interesting. This is the first time here that suddenly art, there's a question art, around art, on, art. on Tucker. <laughs> the whole time it's been him asking, Tucker asking him questions, and now suddenly he pivots it and turns it back around on him. So it's very clear. You can tell through this, and especially with the question he asks and the way Tucker answers it here. There's, there's obviously multiple things happening here, but this is, this is 
Tucker sending a message about Tucker in the same way that it's Kevin Spacey sending a message about Kevin Spacey. They're both, I, I think this is accomplishing many things all at the same time. Me to play. And what about you, Tucker? What role do you want to play? I mean, if I run, I'm going to need a vice president. I'll sleep on it. Um, I mean, people have already gotten out of the race. People have dropped out already. Have you thought, what do you think of those? Well, you know, it's a little bit like jumping in the jacuzzi with a boner. You know what? <laughs> Make sure we get that line again. He's Tucker's holding up notes here. It'd be really interesting to be able to zoom in on him and see what the notes actually say. I don't know if anybody could actually do that, if it's possible to get zoomed in on it. Um, but uh, I would think that if it is possible to see it, given the obvious level of detail that's gone oh, into yeah. the whole thing there's, otherwise, there's there would be there. some kind of message there. Yep. People have dropped out already. Have you thought, what do you think of those? Well, you know, it's a little bit like jumping in the jacuzzi with a boner. You know it ain't going to last forever. So I wasn't surprised when Mike, a little too pensive, jumped out right away. I wasn't either. <laughs> but what about the candidates who are still in? Well, I like Vivek, Drain the Ramaswamy, and uh, Nikki Haley is tough. She's no doubt learned a thing or two by watching me. But I think in Interesting. the end, we need someone uh -huh. in the White House who's not afraid like me, not afraid to push our country or a journalist in the right direction if it comes to that. I sure appreciate your coming mm. It's great to see you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Tucker. I only showed up because I was told I would get to be on X. Not the drug, not the platform. I was curious as to what Tucker on X might be like. I have never tried that. Well, you wouldn't be the first guy to tell me you'd never tried that before. <laughs> <laughs> okay so that line someone we need someone tough in the white house who's willing to push our country or a journalist in the right direction do you remember what happens in house of cards the journalist gets pushed in front of a train or something like that yes yeah he pushes the journalist in front of a train that's obviously a reference to that so tying this back in again to the First Amendment <laughs> and legacy media. The new Civil War movie. It's going to be based off of Kevin Spacey as president. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh. And this is like a like a commercial for it. <laughs> we're, we're really starting to blend reality and fiction here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is funny. Kate says... For some reason, this feels very meta to me. I can't explain why, but that feels like the best descriptor for this. Like I'm playing a dude disguised as a dude disguised as another dude. <laughs> That's another really good movie. Um, so, so that 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 subject there, um, the big thing that uh, where I see this overlapping now with the flat Earth conversation is this idea of perception. <laughs> perception versus reality and getting these like abstractions away from reality and abstractions built on top of abstractions um by the and... way guys henceforth this podcast is going to be dedicated to flat earth discussions yeah this is the last time we're ever going to talk about anything not directly pertaining to flat earth <laughs> from now on it's actually just going to be us um explaining to you why the earth is flat um, we just encountered the subject just recently, but we're actually experts in it already. So we're going to, we're going to pass on our expertise. Yep. Putting all our eggs in that basket. 
<laughs> you know, Matt, what would be a great idea is if we started playing tricks on the audience. Mm, that's a good idea. Don't tell them, though. Should I be Tucker or Kevin Spacey? Um, you be Tucker. Okay. Because I like, I like being the more interesting person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what if he's not speaking as Frank Underwood or Kevin Spacey, but as his Call of Duty role as president, where he suspends elections and fights a multi-front war by... There's another... Oh, I do, he was I, in the Call of Duty, wasn't he? I do, yeah, that's right. He was. Yeah. I, I do think that this really is signaling a, to whatever extent this might be directed at us, I think that it's signaling a change in the way that um, uh, presidential candidates, politicians, influential world leaders relate to the public. I, I think that we're going to look video back games? on this as... Was Call of Duty just predictive programming for the 12-year-olds? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but that's like that's the thing is that video games, movies, social media, um, especially with things like the metaverse and all this stuff, like the lines are really beginning to blur. I think I'll, I'll make a, uh, um, uh, I guess, kind of a rough prediction here that I think within our lifetime, we're going to have a president who is a fictional character. This kind of uh, ties Trump, into the kind of already the, had that with Trump. It's kind of like the to a degree, yeah. Like that's kind of the first step in that direction. I think we're moving toward. Um, you can see this in, in, in two directions. We talked about the Red Caesar, the person versus persona episode we did a couple of, uh, weeks ago. Did we actually where, talk about that? Yeah, we did. It's kind of hard to remember now, but we actually did hmm. discuss it. So you can you can have like the personality of Red Caesar that could actually rule through different actual physical people versus um, having like one actual individual person. I think this is really a reality that has existed in the past. We just don't necessarily think of it that way because it's easy to just think of, oh, Napoleon or, you know, Alexander the Great or whatever. But really those guys had the, the force of personality. They had the, the um, I guess, pseudo demigod status. But in large part, it was because they had people around them who they ruled through. So the... the the monarchy idea is like you have a king and you have his court, the king and you have his lords who he who rule as proxies for him. The, you can't have one without the other. They 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 reinforce one another. But I think we're moving in the direction where we could get a literal like digital presidency, whether or not we've had it already. I would say I wouldn't be surprised if I learned that we already had, but um. I think it's we're moving in that direction where we're going to have an explicitly digital presidency that where everybody knows and it's just an accepted thing because we're we're so sufficiently blurring the lines between reality and fiction. Be like Mr. House from Fallout New Vegas. I don't know what that is. Sorry. No. The best video game ever made. Ah. Uh, um So anyways, okay. So except for other, Dark Souls uh, I just heard a reference to Dark Souls recently I was going to tell you about, but now I don't remember what it was. That's the video game I want my reality to be. Dark Souls? Yeah. <laughs> In a manner of speaking, I think it probably already is. Um, so I want to... So so with this this uh, flat earth subject here, um, 
it's fascinating to me how this topic of basically any topic seems to be the one that absolutely lights people's brains on fire. I've never had uh, an opinion about it, really. I'm just kind of like like Cooper said earlier, I'm just sort of just like tacitly believe in a globe because that's how I've just been. Like, I can't not think of living on a globe because I've always been trained to think that way. But I'm not like invested in the idea of living on a globe. And I completely admit that I have been trained to think this way. So, I'm, right. you know, I'm aware right. of that. Like, by definition, I can't go confirm or deny any of these things myself. I was telling someone this the other day that, like, with with respect to Japan, I just believe on faith that Japan exists. <laughs> yeah. I've never been there. I'm probably never going to be there. I, For all I know, there could be, like, when people hop in a plane and they fly to Japan, they actually get taken into to some, like, uh, like, like, wormhole or something and hover inside a uh, uh, um, like a big warehouse where they get pumped full of drugs and they just hallucinate and experience in Japan. And then they come back again. Oh, I was in Japan. But the whole time they were in like Alaska or something. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know that Alaska <laughs> exists. I've never been there. I, it, and I'm not like invested in, oh no, Alaska exists. How dare you say that it doesn't exist. I don't give a shit. Like, so the, the Asians, same are just, with, Asians are just like aliens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they... <clears throat> so I don't like it's to me, what I find more fascinating about the subject is the way that it gets people so fricking riled up. That's part of the reason why I explicitly put flat earth in the, in the uh, title today, because I want to, I'm kind of doing it as like an experiment. I want to see if, like what Jason told us, he says, as soon as he started doing flat earth videos, his comments just filled with, um, with like complete deranged spurgery. People just started freaking out in his comment section and in his chat and stuff all the time. That's fascinating to me. I think it's absolutely fascinating that something as, uh, put it this way, of all the people on the, I almost, I almost said on the planet. Of all the people on the Earth, on the pancake. a tiny, tiny microfraction have ever even been in a position where they could comprehensively say one way or the other. The, the, like, I don't know how you can have like a a uh, knockdown, drag out fight over getting like pissed off about people suggesting maybe the earth is flat because you're so invested <laughs> in it being a globe. How do you possibly rally that much emotion to get that excited about it? On the flip side, I can understand why the flat earthers would get that worked up because mm -hmm. if the whole flat earth thing is true, then it would mean that the reality that we live in is, is completely different than anything we've been led to think about. Which means there's all kinds of potential for discovery and um, exploration and doing science, sciencing. There's all sorts of possibility and potential for that. And if you accepted the flat earth uh, uh, perspective, then it would be really exasperating to be like, we're being held back from discovering these reality, these things about reality, because everybody's bought into this system they can't even confirm for themselves. They're just regurgitating what they've been trained to think. You, you can't contest 
the, the, the notion that we've been literally conditioned to think that we live on a globe. Whether you believe we live on a globe or not, you can't contest that we've been conditioned to believe that. So to be like really worked up about it from the globe position doesn't make any sense to me at all. To me, as someone who's believed in a globe my entire life, I'm fascinated by this proposition. Wait, you mean there's some new scientific discovery that we could make that would completely change the way we look at reality? That would fundamentally change like our, our understanding of the world and the way we relate to the world? That sounds exciting. Maybe there's nothing to it. But it's very interesting to me to suggest that that could be the case. So what I was thinking about with this is, um, and we can, I can kind of confirm so far, it December, seems like the, yeah, people the, the are comment already... section has picked up as soon as we started talking about Flat Earth. <laughs> Semper Fish, are you a Michigan guy? Say Lake Superior or Canada? Semper Fish. I'm going to guess you're from Michigan. He says, I've personally verified, oops, click the wrong one here. Semper Fish says, I've personally verified with observations across Lake Superior that there is no observable curve of math stuff of the claimed globe. Fractals. Okay. Give me some fractals. fractals. Yeah, fractal emotes. Um, well, Emmanuel says, too bad flat earth promoters usually have a very Gnostic worldview, but taking only the what and not the why, they have much more credibility. Yeah, very much agree with that. <clears throat> yeah. And I think that I've seen a number of people who have, uh, they've, 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 used it as like a uh, an argument against the proposition of flat earth that many flat earthers are like neo-gnostics but to me that's not all that significant because uh, uh, virtually everyone is a neo-gnostic you're just well seeing and i mean the, like the gnosticism with flat earth just manifests itself differently the early scientists are all like alchemists and gnostics and shit too right yeah it's, it's, it's Gnosticism is like the spirit of the age. So I'm not surprised that some niche group of people who are like really digging into uh, trying to get, like they see themselves as the true scientists. They see they see the globe people as being sub, like adherents to a an irrational religion and they see themselves as the true scientists. So if that's their self identity, well, then, of course, they're going to see they're going to have a Gnostic worldview because they're operating with science as their as their um, uh, guiding principle, which if you operate with science as your guiding principle and you're not grounding it in something else, then you're naturally going to be a Gnostic. Right, gonna, right. It's going to tend toward materialism, <clears throat> rationalism, et cetera, et cetera. And if you subscribe to things like, like a globe, the globe model kind of cons confirms all of the priors of someone who's predisposed to think that way mm -hmm. like if you believe in evolution and all of this stuff you're gonna be like oh yeah a globe model we're just uh we're on a speck in the middle of nowhere that doesn't matter and it's all meaningless you know yeah you're already right. gonna believe those things what mr white says here he says the other side of sense. it the flat earthers also i think have an agenda but well yeah definitely uh Mr. White says, I think it makes more sense that God made Earth the center and the stars above for man while on Earth, not that we're a tiny speck of insignificance and an ever-expanding chaos <laughs> like NASA tells us. That, See, this is one of the things that has been the most compelling to me in starting to actually be interested in listening to the Flat Earthers make their case. This, the, 
beginning. Right, because that confirms all of my priors. Exactly, exactly. Right. Like, if if my goal was, if I, so just suspending disbelief completely and just kind of reasoning through the hypothetical here. (laughs) If there was, if we did live on a, a flat plane and the earth was the center of the universe, if I was demons and I wanted to detach people, I wanted people to detach themselves from reality and get nihilistic and, uh, and atheistic, then what better way than convincing you that you're an irrelevant little speck of dust on top of an irrelevant little speck of dust way in some corner of this vast, expansive uh, uh, emptiness of nothing that With more goes dust. on yeah. beyond your comprehension. Like that, that's, very, that's a very nihilist-inducing perspective. So if I suspend disbelief and I reason through it like that, then I think, okay, well, then that means what I would expect is someone suggesting that this globe model of it being a tiny speck of dust on a speck of dust in a gigantic galaxy full of uh, a Googleplex of specks of dust, <laughs> I would expect someone challenging that to create something akin to an immune response where people irrationally lash out and freak out. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? That's exactly what happens. If you mm-hmm. try to make the case we don't live on a globe, then people f- like spaz the fuck out and lose their minds. It's it's and, not possible to have just like a, a cool, detached, interested conversation about it. And it's interesting. Dr. Crispy Rothschild's got me thinking this way because he said square earth rising in the chat. Um, it is interesting, the reaction you get. It's only, you only get that kind of immune response reaction if you're arguing for flat earth. If you're arguing for like square earth, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Which kind of like suggests that maybe there's something to this. Why are people reacting so strongly to this? Yeah, that's actually, that's a really good point. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. Or like triangle or dodecahedron earth or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, uh, uh, um, uh, what's the, uh, Mobius strip earth. Uh, yeah. Dr. Crispy Rothschild said, cause I ask you idiots a question. No, no questions allowed. Please do not ask us anything. Please leave. Um, (laughs) Mr. White said there's an alternative that still places Earth at the center, but still a sphere. And then some debate whether that globe in the center is moving or the stars around it. It doesn't have to be flat. In either case, whether whether flat or globe, I am sympathetic to the geocentric model. Yes. I'm agnostic on the shape of the Earth, but these days I find myself probably as a result of being influenced by some of the church fathers with a Mm -hmm. a kind of geocentric model. That makes sense to me. Right. And for me, like the more, the longer I've been around orthodoxy, the more the idea of a heliocentric universe just doesn't, uh, or uh, um, a heliocentric solar system just doesn't, just doesn't jive for me. I just, Okay, I was going to, okay, the other one I was going to reference, which I think this, this Spires dude is referencing, is that hollow earth theory. Uh-huh. People don't really get worked up about that one either. That's true, yeah. Unless you associate it with um, 
with Antarctica. Right, right. And, and then know, people start freaking out again. And, uh-huh. Yeah, right, right, right. Which is interesting Which, because hmm. the Antarctica thing is a very core part of the flat Earth perspective as well. So it's kind of like the closer you get to, like if we're suspending disbelief and just assuming for the sake of of, of theorizing that the, the, the flat Earth, or more accurately, maybe the plain Earth, P-L-A-N-E, the plain Earth uh, model, if you assume that maybe that actually is true, then it would make sense that anything that gets close to it causes like demonic spaz outs because you're, you're actually undoing some of the most, because like, like if the plain earth model is true, the globe earth, um, what would you call it? Like, like brainwashing mass delusion is, is the most epic mass delusion in the history of humanity. It is absolutely massively profound how much of a delusion it would be, which is, I think, part of the reason why, um, to, to kind of counter what I said earlier, part of the reason why I do think it's understandable that some people freak out when you suggest that. Because then you're basically, to suggest that the Earth is anything other than round is to say that humanity has been engaged in a, a, like a massive cosmic mass delusion, delusion for centuries. And that's mm-hmm. apparently that's disturbing or jarring to people. To me, I'm kind well, of like, well, we're pretty resilient. I think we're going to survive if that's the case. I think a lot of people kind of not probably, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? People put a lot of stock in how smart they are, whether they should mm-hmm. or shouldn't. And probably they shouldn't. But The idea that, you know, because we're all, we all think we're scientists. And that's kind of a big part of our identity as modern people. And to undercut that when you have this whole edifice built on top of that belief is probably rather destabilizing. So all, what I'm trying to say is we should go to Antarctica and figure this out. Yes, I would love to. Because that seems to be, that seems to be like the, the shelling point for this uh-huh. issue. Uh-huh. Very much. Dr. Crispy Rothschild had a very important question for us. He said, where's the center of the earth? And uh, um, I think this was the answer. Uh, between <laughs> <his> legs. <laughs> we appreciate you, Doc. That's a, uh, you, you set me up well there. I was actually going to engage with that question sincerely. Yeah, like and, uh, the North Pole, maybe. <laughs> or, <laughs> or like Haiti. Haiti, maybe. <laughs> Haiti is the center of the earth. <laughs> yeah, we're the people. What is that... Uh... I remember Moldbug having a discourse about referring to, he was kind of like illustrating this point, how people speak in a man, like in group speak, basically uh-huh. like you'll hear Democrats call them, refer to the, the the democratic party. You won't hear them say the Democrat party. If you say the Democrat party, that, that, that signals to them that you're not one of them. Uh huh. And he was illustrating this point by talking about like, let's say, you know, you got two tribes who are living next to each other. <laughs> and um, basically his point was like, when you're with, when you're in one of these groups, you should try to speak their language. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of, you know, pass. And he illustrated this point by talking about like, let's say you got two tribes on either side of the river and <laughs> you know, the tribe on the, the one side of the river calls themselves the people of the soil or the people at the center of the earth or something like that. And you refer to them as the shit-eating mud people. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
right. <laughs> it's not going to go over well. Yeah. <laughs> shit eating mud people. <laughs> uh, that goofy Jew gets some good ones sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to leave you guys with this. Um, this is essentially as I'm uh, um, looking for interesting things to pass the time and, and, and stuff to, to inform myself on. I encountered this guy's videos the other day. And this is the first time that I've actually started giving Flat Earth any sort of credence, um, in large part because of this particular video, um, where it's basically the first time that I've ever seen someone actually propose a, a positive uh, or like an affirmative theory of what it could be versus just like all the stuff of, of you know, ships going over the horizon or shadows cast or like, like all that sort of thing. Like, I think it's interesting but nothing's going to change my mind either way. I could sit here and listen. Okay. This guy makes his case. Okay. This guy makes his case. But like, if it's just critiquing the existing thing at the end of the day, if you're trying to describe like the shape of the earth that we live on, you're, you're, you're getting really close to something you can't even have a conversation about because it's, it is necessarily a subjective perceptual thing. You're, you're oh, like, hey. You're never actually going to be able to see it. You're never actually going to be able to like go look yourself. For the vast majority of people, they're never actually going to put themselves in a place where they could actually look, like look down or whatever, and actually confirm it for themselves. So to me, it's just kind of people just like like throwing shit at each other. Um, however, I started watching this guy's videos, and he actually makes a really interesting case. It's very compelling. Um, well, Emmanuel says I prefer the Witsit videos because he stays much more on the physics. Yeah, th this guy's. If nothing else, he very much violates the stereotype of flat Earth being a bunch of like knuckle dragging mouth breathers. He's Deviated genuinely one of the one of the like like highest IQ people that I've ever encountered. Um, I do recall at one point um, Owen Benjamin saying that the smartest people he's ever met in his life were at the flat Earth convention, and I'm you know I'm not surprised by that. I, that's right. probably true. DC Woodworking says, I was big into tar Tartaria videos last year. Maybe that's our next uh, excursion. Yeah, that would be another one. That's that, like all of this stuff. It gets into, you know, the Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock and Atlantis and um, ancient aliens, like all this sort of stuff. Like, this is the stuff that I find really interesting. You've got the normal politics, whatever. You could talk about elite theory and, and, and whatnot. And I find that stuff interesting. But one of the biggest shames, I think, of the over-politization of the modern world is there's not enough people who are looking at this sort of thing. And this is kind of one of the exercises I wanted to encourage people to do as a part of just this discussion, this brief discussion on Flat Earth, was just for the fun of it, completely suspend disbelief. Just imagine that the Earth is not necessarily flat, just that the Earth is a different, different shape or a different... Uh, it manifests differently than you've been conditioned to believe all your life. What would that do to your perspective on the world? How would that affect you psychologically? How would it affect you socially? Like, for instance, this plain earth model, one of the things that they <laughs> hypothesize is in the same way that, that space just kind of extends infinitely they're like, well, th theoretically, there's no reason why the plane couldn't just extend infinitely or at least extend far beyond the known world. 
And if that's the case, like, think about how much, like, when was the last time that people discovered a new major landmass that could be populated? It would have been basically like the 15th century. We could all start, start we could set sail and discover Lemuria or whatever. Right, right. Imagine, imagine if all of a sudden it was discovered or revealed or Oh, we could actually go to Hyperborea. Right. Like you could, you could go explore these different places. Like maybe the reason we haven't discovered Atlantis is because it's beyond the ice wall, you know, like our conical hats and go conquer unknown lands. And I think that that exploring that possibility is so much more interesting than just saying, no, that can't exist. No, 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 that's stupid. No, we already have discovered everything. No, we already solved it all. This, this to me is just another manifestation of this bullshit, atheistic, liberal um, spirit. Where like on one hand, they say on the most important questions of all, they just punt and say, oh, well, we don't know. You know, what was before the Big Bang? Oh, we don't know. You know, maybe what, what, like before the laws of physics, what were the laws? Oh, we don't know. It could have been different laws of physics. Like, they just completely punt on it. Yet then on the flip side, they say, oh, well, we already know everything. You know, there, there's no major discoveries to be had. We've already solved. We should refer to those people. people. Those kinds of people we should refer to as the shit-eating mud people. <laughs> Perfect. Absolute deal. The, the the methodological naturalists of the world. They're the shit-eating mud people. <laughs> like the, sh- the shit-lib normie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll, uh, um, I just wanted to share, for those of you who are not familiar with this guy, go, go watch his videos. Go see what he has to say. Um, if anything, you're going to learn a lot, even if you come away still um, persuaded of the globe model, which I could care less which one you, you actually endorse. You'll learn a lot about, um, about electromagnetism and about uh, surveying and uh, flights and star patterns and all kinds of different stuff. Um, what's very interesting about this guy here, his name's Austin Witsit. He is, I think, I, apparently he's one of like the real OGs in the, the flat earth community. Um, and uh, he is virulently anti-Christian. He has periodic little, like he, he makes the statements about like, oh, you know, religion, which is just blind faith and something against evidence, whatever kind of has the normie lib take on it. Yet then I watched a, a debate that he had on modern day debate. It was actually the same, the same event where Andrew Wilson um, uh, BTFO'd Matt Dillahunty pretty entertaining. <laughs> um, at that event, this guy who is a, a anti-Christian flat earther debated creation versus atheism. And he took the creation position. So he's a, a anti-Christian creationist flat earther to me. I just love encountering people like this, guys that kind of completely break the mold. Um, and then it turns out he actually has makes some really compelling points here. So I just wanted to share, um, I don't know if we'll go through this entire video, but there was a couple points in this video that really uh, just kind of made the light bulb go. And I was like, oh, maybe there's actually something here worth uh, worth listening to. Well, according to uh, one true Mr. natural White, law is that all- according to Mr. White, Witsit is Christian and believes in Jesus. Interesting. Christian, but not religious. Hmm. hmm. Okay. I, I. I mean, there's a lot of people who claim to believe in Jesus and say they're Christian, like Gnostics, which I, you know, suspect he probably is kind of in that camp. 
Yeah, I was I was talking with uh, DMing Jim Bob about him earlier to try to learn a little bit more about him, and uh, he told me uh, some of the stuff about him. Um, he has a video. Uh, he says um, his video is called Christianity Debunked, I think. So that's where I was deriving. I haven't watched the video yet. Um, he has Owen Benjamin's worldview, kind of. Okay. Hmm. Um, okay. So he's definitely creationist. Um, I knew that from that that interview. But then he, I saw a video that said Christianity Debunked, and he's very hostile to religion in general. Really, what this tells me, just kind of from my own experience— this guy is opposed to Christianity because the only Christianity he's ever encountered is Protestant Christianity. My guess is that if he actually was able to encounter orthodoxy and he didn't have all of his, his like, ah, formal established religion um, immune system on, then uh, I think he would find, like, w me listening to him coming from an orthodox worldview, I'm like, a lot of this stuff really seems to square. I think there's a lot, there's a lot to this. Um, I mean, he takes, he, he quotes Nikola Tesla very affirmingly and Nikola Tesla was the son, I believe of an Orthodox priest. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if Tesla there's... himself was religious, but his mm -hmm. dad was, I uh, says, Mr. White says he won't even give Orthodox a listen. Yeah. See, that's the, that's the Christianity. Like I already know everything there is to know about Christianity. Cause I grew up in the West, which is Christian. Well, it turns out. There's a lot of Christian history that you didn't encounter if you grew up in the West as a Christian. And if he did, he'd find some geocentrists. Uh-huh, right. I'm sure there's more geocentrists in orthodoxy than in probably all other um, Christian expressions combined. I don't want to say denomination because orthodoxy is not a denomination. Uh, okay, so we'll, we'll try and get through this. That all things seek equilibrium through pressure mediation. Now, it's very similar to what the second law says, which is entropy will increase as things seek equilibrium effectively. But this is the one true natural law. Everything that we see in physics is things seeking equilibrium. You open up a soda and it goes, Psh, you shouldn't be opening up sodas, but it's equalizing to the low pressure around it because there's a higher pressure built Here's up and it soda. equalizes and it's instantly seeking equilibrium around it. If it's really hot outside and I'm running the AC, I open the door, the hot air will rush in. Quote unquote positive negative charge is just one system has excessive charge, one system has a lack of charge, or one is charging, one is discharging because it's an excess. They migrate towards each other to equalize. Everything in physics, everything in the world that we observe is just a process of seeking equilibrium. And I think it's actually this very, there's a very deep metaphysical truth there that's kind of like the process of what our life is. I think we're here to struggle, thus learn. I think that we're in a process of seeking equilibrium. And the actual, when you actually attain equilibrium, you're no longer here. So uh, it's, it's obviously couched in kind of your standard Gnostic um you know like hippie sort of um you know everything's all energy bro obviously that's kind of the perspective he's coming from here but there's something very orthodox about what he said that you're we're here to struggle we're here to struggle and uh um we're, we're basically we're going through life going through a process some sort of process of struggle and reconciliation so you can you can get you can see there's kind of that latent sense of the truth that's there even if he hasn't um, actually encountered it or embraced it or if he's resistant to it whatever he's still got the the um, just kind of the inkling of it uh, existing in his existing worldview. Right, I think you go back to the source. So what we see is we see this geometry all throughout nature because of this process. That's what this geometry is. I mean, you go back to the source. I, it, this is basically just just describing Christian doctrine, but just kind of like uh, uh, hippifying it. Back to the source, to the play Roma. Yeah. yeah. I mean, being hang out with the with God, reconcil reconciling with God. This is just 
people that are tr taking the actual truth and trying to say, well, no, we, we reject that, but we're just going to reconstruct it and use different terms for it. Is. And that's where we get the honeycomb, you have the snowflake, you have all these different geometric patterns that are reoccurring. And, and you may look at some of these and be like, oh, those are different, but they're not. They all fall within the same torus field geometry. So very important to understand that all natural design is governed by simple laws of physics, energy, frequency, and vibration. Nature shows us the unifying expression all around us. The holy grail of physics is a grand unified theory and a theory of everything. If you step outside of just blindly believing what the mainstream has told you about where you live, you can break out of that typically trauma-based mind control um, and think for yourself, then you'll see, well, we have a theory of everything sitting right in front of us. The vortex motion is a consequence of nature's vibrational geometry. You see, this is a ferrule cell image of a magnetic field. And if you don't know, that is just ferrule fluid with a you know a few different types of oil you can use. You press it between two pieces of really uh, flat glass, which is called an optical flat. Then you just basically glue it around the outside, run an LED strip of lights around the outside. And as you put that over a magnet, the ferrule fluid responds to the magnetic field and the light actually lights up the fluid based on how it's being distributed. So you get to see the field effectively, what the field is doing. These are pretty incredibly beautiful images, honestly. And you see that there's a vortex in the magnetic field. This geometry being found everywhere, like we just saw right here, okay? Really the actual manifestation of even that flower there, it has a vortex in the middle of it. You see the top left picture here, it looks very similar, doesn't it? It is the same thing, okay? Everything is vibrational and all things are seeking equilibrium. Any true theory. I just wanted to say, um, I don't want to just sit here and play his whole video. Um, so break it up a little bit. Um, the, this whole thing with like uh, energy and frequency and vibrations and all this sort of thing. I went pretty deep down some of these rabbit holes several <laughs> years ago when <laughs> I, I started getting into like uh, trying to understand quantum mechanics and and I have like a natural aversion to this. Really, yeah. I'm the, I'm the opposite. It's it is like crack to me. Oh, you see, like I can't I, get enough of it. I grew up and my mom was like a naturopathic practitioner with the essential oils and like talked about everything being energy and vibration in your chakras and stuff. And I was just so turned <laughs> off by that. Like I hear this shit and like my brain shuts off. Like, nope. Like the, the so, Reiki and everything. Ugh. Yeah. So like that's sort of like the Reiki and the chakras and all that. I've always been kind of like, eh, well, you know, like that, that doesn't hold much interest to me, but the, the significance of, um, I, I find this stuff fascinating. I'm also a, like a complete moron and I can't, I don't understand <laughs> any of it. Like I can never be a physicist. I just want to sit there and just kind of listen to him. The, the way I kind of see it is like all the stuff with chakras and Reiki and everything. It's like the, it's like the other side of like the, the West is, is like overly rationalistic and materialistic. And then the East is like overly hippified, but there's a, um, not to be completely Hegelian, but you know, but like, but there's a, a, a point where you can tell what they're looking at that they're looking at something and they're trying to understand it and they're interpreting it through a particular frame. And what I find interesting is that they're looking at that. The people doing the Reiki and the chakras and everything, trying to understand electrical currents, the way they flow through the body, how you can interact with them, how you can manip manipulate them. They're doing it through a particular religious frame. So that's where you get all the goofy uh, mystical aspects of it. Or but demonic. Or yeah, outright Stuff. demonic. Like Reiki. But then like on the flip side, you have the uh, overly rationalistic, materialistic Western perspective on everything. 
that errs in, in the other direction. And so because of the, the frame that the West has, it doesn't even look at or pay attention to some of this stuff that the East is looking at. In the same way, the East errs in, the, in, a, in, a, in a similar but different way. What's interesting to me is I've grown up as a Westerner, so I've grown up not really paying attention to any of this sort of thing. But once I started listening to, like, watching YouTube videos of theoretical physicists trying to explain quantum mechanics or talking about, like, superposition and... Witch and, doctors. Uh, all that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm like, these are freaking... These are, like, high priests who are describing, you, you know, like, the 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 woo-woo aspect of the ether. These this, this isn't science. These guys aren't engaged in science as I've ever known it. This is very clearly mysticism and that was actually what led me to and they would be chapped if, if you called it through, that oh yeah of course yeah definitely they would be they would they would splutter and protest and but i can't i can't it's it's just reality that's just the way that uh that they're they're not i i always had this this perspective of that like there's solid ground down there somewhere you know, I grew up <laughs> no. hearing about like, you know, molecules and atoms and, you know, whatever. And I just corks, kinda... these quirky things. Right, right. Like, oh, we're, there's there's some there's something solid down there that we're standing on. But no, no. Like if you listen to like theoretical physicists and particle physicists and and you listen to them describing quantum reality or as so-called quantum reality, just talking about dark matter and gravity and all this stuff. They're, the only reason that it sounds scientific to you is because you've been taught to think that that is scientific. But they're very much like religiously, philosophically, mystically speculating with a scientific veneer over it. So in a certain sense, that actually gives me an appreciation for the people who are just straight up religious about it. At least, at least they're honest about the way that they're approaching it and they're not trying to delude themselves with this rationality filter. Yeah, so the the um this whole thing with like energy and vibration and frequency, there's the famous quote from from Tesla where he said if you want to understand the universe, understand it in terms of energy and, and vibration and frequency. Um I've had some uh some psychedelic experiences where like that that uh aspect of that ex of the experience was very um intense. In experiencing frequencies and 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 uh, being kind of like tuned into a frequency, like hearing something you don't normally hear and recognize, like being able to hear a light near you that in a way that you normally don't, like your senses aren't normally tuned to be able to pick up those sorts of things, but you pick up on them differently when you uh, uh, are in an altered state of consciousness. And then this ties into, I mean, like like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and, and uh, like sending electrical signals and stuff. A few hundred, several hundred years ago, this would have been like voodoo magic. So the, again, the only reason why you don't see it as voodoo magic is because it's something that's familiar to you, but it's really just voodoo magic with a scientific veneer over it. Anyways, we'll continue with the video here. Theory of physics that's going to really progress us is going to be a theory of everything. Everything's going to have to be connected. Well, it's, it is all connected. There's a common factor, vibration and charge what people call charge you know elementary charge even so everything's electric and everything is vibratory and this is where you would get this depiction of where we reside we have a magnetic field on the earth we would live on that plane right there and then basically you would just have the ripples within this geometry going out around us how does day and night work on the earth if it's flat like okay there you go let's let's check it out okay 
so this is this is where my brain started going oh oh okay well so now here's here's the uh uh a positing of an alternative model that I, my brain can actually attach itself to. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's real, but it's compelling. It's very interesting to think about this. So as he's moving the, he has the, uh, this, this dome essentially over the, the flat plane. And as he moves the light around it, you're assuming a small local sun here, you've got sun sunrise and sunset here. You've got the, the, um, uh, the light moving around the earth, giving the, the uh, appearance of time zones. And he even, you know, I'll, I'll let him point out the other stuff with it, but this was where I, this is, okay, now my brain can actually latch onto something and I can start to conceptualize what they're positing as an alternative. Oh, look at that. It's almost as if we can just perfectly replicate day and night on a plain earth. And people are like, oh, well, why wouldn't it light up the whole earth? Why is it not lighting up the whole earth there? A local light source wouldn't light up the whole earth. It's just a ridiculous idea. Day and night works perfect on a plain earth. <laughs> what about the summer solstice? Oh, look at that. It matches exactly what the demonstration does. It works perfectly. Look at it. Interesting enough, you see the geometry in both scenarios. Fits right within that geometry we talked about earlier. Yeah, because everything is that geometry that vibrational resonance creates a torus field. Okay, well, what about when we see the sunset and it should set in a different location? Well, we actually can't see forever. We see in a circle around us. We're not Superman. We don't have x-ray vision. We can't just see forever, right? We have a limit to our view. And what that causes is basically like a dome around us, an azimuthal grid, right? We can't see forever. We can replicate this. You can take a light source and you can put it over top of a dome and you'll see that there's different locations. In fact, you see, if you look closely to the dome, you see there's a light source here. So this, if this was the actual sun or light This is the point I was going to make here is that as he's pointing out, you have the, uh, the actual light source here but then from within the dome you actually see the light sources being up here that sort of thing um gets me uh that sort of thing <clears throat> gets my brain going in different directions well emmanuel says it's all connected like quote it's all connected it's that type of, of phrase that loses points with me i totally agree yeah like when like a, a thing that i hear a lot of flat earthers say that drives me nuts is they say you can't see forever and it's like yeah, okay yes that's true but stop saying that they say it a lot. You can't see forever. You, you can't see forever. You can't see forever. I'm aware. Just stop saying it. Stop saying that. <laughs> this is one of those things that I don't like. It just bothers probably, me. I don't know why. It just I bothers me. I haven't listened me. to very many flat earthers. Um, but uh, yeah, it doesn't. I, I, it, it's all connected. Never even occurred to me. me. Yeah. The, the, it's all connected thing is interesting. This is one of the, uh, the I guess, I guess, uh, take this with a grain of salt because it's a it's it's thoughts that i had while um <laughs> while partaking of certain substances that uh, that alter the types of thoughts you have but um i've kept thinking about it and and you know i don't i don't think it's i don't think the source of the thought makes the thought um invalid so you get the, the the whole hippie thing where people get on acid or whatever. They're like, oh, bro, we're all connected, man. We're all one. I am God, yeah. dude. We're yeah, all like, God. We're, we're all God. We're all just like manifestations of him. And it's just like super awesome how I get to be God while you get yeah. to be God. And we're like all God together. My God, dude. Thinking of it from like a scientific, like a, a Western, very neutered rationalist perspective, though, if do you have like the 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 um 
ship of Theseus. I have to think about it now because of the Lord of Spirits episode where they um, they called it Theseus's boat, and so now it makes me have to think about what it actually. Is. So the ship of Theseus, where um, you you replace all the parts of the boat to to after a period of time, it's no like is it still the same the same physical thing, even though all of the matter in it is made up of something different. So using that thought, the matter that makes up me and the matter that makes up my wife and the matter that makes up my son. Every seven years or something, your cells divide and you're made of new cells or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. Is it still you? Right. So there's identity over time. Yes. So there's an, a, a, an extent to which, we're all made up of matter and that matter is is uh like electrochemically interacting with itself so there's there's connections between us that aren't immediately apparent to the naked eye there's there's ways in which my matter is connected to my wife's matter due to us being in proximity to each other and then you could extend this out like further but like fractally fractally yeah man fractals fractals in the chat folks um, the, so there, there is a way in which we are actually connected in ways that aren't immediately apparent to us. I mean, if things like if you put your, your hand on your desk, your hand isn't actually touching your desk. If you keep going down, looking at the, down to the molecular or whatever level, you're, you're not actually ever physically touching the desk. You're just experiencing it as you're touching it. These are the sorts of things that are um, that hippie people get all about. And it's kind of annoying because the people, they get all hippie about it. And so then it makes it hard to actually have a serious conversation about that reality. Like, what does it mean that the matter that makes me up is going to eventually be substituted out for other matter, but it's still going to be me. And there's matters swirling around between me and my wife. And we're connected. We have like electrical charges connecting us and and i don't know like consciousness is consciousness in the brain is consciousness dispersed throughout the 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 entire body like these are things that we don't even really understand yet but we kind of can't have a conversation about it because people just go hippies which is because hippies are insufferable and you know annoying so it's like i I want to like do away with both sides of it and just have conversations about this sort of thing with people and be able to actually seriously investigate it i have wondered sometimes this is kind of one of those like whoa dude kind of thoughts that you have when you smoke weed or something i don't know i don't smoke weed but i'm told these are the kind of thoughts you have when you smoke weed smoking weed is gay don't do it Stone um, yeah right where like when i'm thinking and i'm concentrating it feels like it's in my head you know do you get what i'm saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I wonder if that association is just because we have, well, there's been this association between like consciousness and our brain. So we think it's in our head. Mm-hmm. So like when ancient Egyptians who at least this is what I'm told, I don't know if this is true, but they used to think that like your thoughts and all that stuff was like in your heart mm-hmm. when they were thinking really hard about something. Did they feel it in their chest? Oh, that's a funny thought. Yeah. I don't know. Or like in their stomach, especially like, have you ever experienced the feeling of thinking in your stomach? Has that ever, you know, because like your gut is like your second brain? Hmm. I've kind of experienced it before where it's like, I, 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 I it's more like I feel like I have thoughts coming from my, from my stomach. Like the, the uh, thought not... originated in my stomach. 
Yeah. Not me. Then there's the there's stories of people who have organ transplants and then they retain the memories of the people that Oh yeah, that's had wild. The organ before. Um Yeah, like like uh there was a I think it was a heart transplant for a guy who shot himself in the face and the person who got the heart started having nightmares where they'd have a really bright hot flash on their face and they would wake up. Um or people that would like suddenly get a huge craving for particular foods that they used to hate, but it was like the favorite comfort food of the person whose organ they got. So, I mean, there's like this again, as an Orthodox Christian, this sort of thing is very easy to, to, to understand because your, your consciousness, your, your body and yourself is the same thing. You are not separate from your body. You are your body. You are yourself and your yourself and your body are the same thing. If you had a different body, you would be a different person. You're not the consciousness isn't something you can just like scoop out of someone's head with a, with a spoon and plop it in someone else's in someone else's body. You're you are your body, which this realization is really, really makes me uncomfortable with the idea of organ transplants in general. Witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> Light source. If you're inside the dome, you're actually going to see this. So as this moves across, you're going to see a different location. It's very easy to replicate. It's crazy that people don't get this. One. So as you see here, the actual sun would move around and then it would cause it to look its arcing over top of you, just like we see with crepuscular, anti-crepuscular rays, rainbows, sun dogs, etc. Right? It's just we don't see forever. We basically see in a little dome, and that's because our eyes are spherical and everything is the same geometry. You have torus fields everywhere, elongated sphere of a torus field all over the place, and that's why you see this. The position of the sun and all the stars and the moon are all perfectly explained on a plain Earth, understanding that we have a perspective that limits how far we can see. Now here is the sun position data from longitude observations all along one longitude projected onto a plane surface versus an actual pinhole camera long exposure of the sun for a year. When we rendered it through the computer taking all the data measurements of the earth on one single longitude, this is what it gave us. So basically, this fits right inside the torus field again. We're always in the torus field. And it's funny how it perfectly matches the actual pinhole camera long exposure of the sun over the course of a year. So look at that. The year data matches perfectly on a plane earth again. So here we have a feral cell image of a magnetic field. You see the actual geometry, the lines here. And we won't get into the complexities of the magnetic field, but I'll cover magnetism sometime soon. And then you have here, look, this, this apparent pattern that comes from the solar. That's really cool. Seeing that pattern with the solar eclipse matching perfectly. When I, uh, we had a, the solar eclipse here a few months ago, when I was taking pictures of, I took, I was trying to like take pictures of it to see what, how the camera would, would work with the iPhone. And then I looked down at the leaves on the ground and the, the sh during the middle of the eclipse, the shadows cast over the leaves on the ground had this pattern in it. This pattern you see around the eclipse, it was around the shadows of the leaves. Or eclipse, it's exactly the same. <laughs> of course it is, because everything's intrinsically electromagnetic. And so this works perfectly on the plane Earth position. Here we have all of the quote unquote planets and how they move in relation to us observing from the Earth. Oh, look, it matches perfectly with the feral cell image. It's a beautiful, perfect, sacred geometry, flower of life, fits within the torus field. And this is exactly what we would expect to see because that's what everything in nature shows us. If the Earth is in the center and not moving, this is what's going on around us. And this is literally what we see. And of course, what they say is, oh, well, it's just an illusion. And actually, we're flying around in here too. Okay, so do you see that pattern, how it directly matches? This is all the quote unquote planets and stuff moving around the Earth. Here is Mars from a quote unquote geocentric position, right? So with the Earth not moving, this is what you get. Oh, it perfectly matches. And this is actually Kepler's little known diagram here on the right. This is Mars in the Tycho Brahe model. 
By the study of the orbit of Mars, we must either arrive at the secrets of astronomy or forever remain in ignorance of them. And that's what Kepler said. It's interesting. I mean, look at what it does. It fits right within this torus field geometry, bro. It's actually very beautiful. And here are all of them. You have Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, which are seemingly wandering lights at a lower density layer. But this is the quote unquote ISS trajectory right here put onto a plane and it perfectly matches. You have, look, here's another depiction of Venus and Mercury, all of this fitting right within the torus field geometry. This is a feral cell image of a magnetic field again. This would be a top-down view. You have the vortex in the middle. Then you have these patterns, this motion coming through. Like basically you have these little ellipses that would fit inside there. And then the plane would be cut right through the middle uh, horizontally with this top-down. Again, we have the vortex here. And when we did all these measurements, of course, we used Michelson gale pearson uses the Sagnac effect, Sagnac set. This is the vortex in the ether that we're measuring. And we consistently show this vortex in this preferred direction of light that gets faster and faster the closer you get to the sky, which completely debunks relativity and supposedly the constant speed of light and all of that. And we've shown that there is, in fact, a vortex and that you can measure it. The light goes faster in the same direction that the stuff in the sky moves. So if you jump in a river and you swim downstream, go much faster, right? Because you're going with the stream, it's helping you. As opposed to trying to swim across it, you're going to go slower, right? Because you're going against the drift. And this is what we see very precise measurements replicated hundreds of thousands of times. And so let's take the magnetic flux data, put it on a plane, you see this vortex is clear, clear as day. And just like we see in the depiction, the vortex is here and this all fits within the geometry. Here's the side view. This white line would be the, what's called a block domain wall or an inertial, inertial plane, meaning it's unchanging. It's just a plane through the magnetic field and all these magnetic fields have it. It's called a block domain wall. Well, you look at the top down with the vortex, all the patterns. So this would be us looking down from above quote unquote space. This is where all these planets are moving within this and it's all centered around the vortex. And this would be the side view of the earth and we just observed the top half of it we took the magnetic flux data put it on a plane and look at it it matches perfectly it's very obvious to anyone with eyes to see that this geometry is matching all the way across it all the evidence is showing us exactly what the earth is you have to believe everything's an illusion but we just don't have any evidence right you have to just throw common sense out the window throw pattern recognition out the window and you have to deny the, the obvious fact that all of these patterns of what we see in the sky match this this magnetic field feral cell image and so does the magnetic field data of the earth all vortexing around the center okay that might be the strongest point that you basically have to throw everything out and you know no it's i know this is what everybody's singing but that's an illusion and this right. is an illusion and this is an illusion because we have this theory of relativity or whatever that we want to hold on to right yeah like thinking of it just from a from a uh like a, a prima facie perspective on this idea of like if you were sitting here you'd I mean, you're an alien or something or someone who had amnesia and then you had to relearn all of this stuff and someone was sitting there and laying out the standard model for you how many different times would they say now it seems like this but that's actually an illusion it's actually like how many times would they keep saying that over and over again and be like so why is reality so illusory why like why why do you have this presupposition that every time there's an illusion you have to staple on a new like a new hypothesis. Like you have your original hypothesis, which is everything is, is uh, 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 everything is moving. And then we're going to do uh, tests to determine uh, how this, how the, how the movement is, what, what the motion is here. And the tests reveal to us that apparently we're just completely stationary. Uh, well, that must mean there was something wrong with our tests and we weren't taking into consideration this other thing that actually was counteracting the effects of the tests. So actually, um, you know, it, even though this test tells you that it that it looks like we're 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 not moving at all, you have to. It's just an illusion. You have to believe we actually are moving. This doing that over and over again. So rather than looking at the results of your experiment and being like, "Huh, my hypothesis must be wrong," you're just right. like, "No, I'm going to have another. Ex we got to have another hypothesis." Yeah, and just keep like, stapling on hypotheses. 
Right, right. That's the case that you don't he's making. Let, yeah, right. you don't want to let go of the, the base one. Right, right. Like the, the the whole conception of dark matter as a thing is kind of like, all right, well, our... There's this uh, thing that's not to, not a thing, and we don't know what it is, but it's there <laughs> because that's what we need for our math to work. Yeah, like our model works for 5% of stuff, but then there's this other 95% or whatever. I don't know if it's 80, 20 or 95, whatever. In order to make our model work, then we have to speculate that there's actually that our model is is dealing with ten percent of the universe, but there's this other ninety percent that we can't account for. But we're just going to say this ninety percent is there. It just, I don't know. I just, I've for a long time one of the biggest, uh, um, I guess, uh, points in favor of the standard model to me was its complexity. I was like, how could this all this complexity exist and have it all just be illusory <laughs> and now after listening to this guy and other people like him starting to make the case the way they are um i'm like huh that complexity is actually a it's actually kind of a strike against it in my mind it seems too complex there's 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 all this hyper complexity that isn't completely necessary it doesn't seem to me being a complete you know, a, a complete noob that that couldn't ever argue any of this stuff myself. Just commenting from the peanut gallery, I really like the 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 much more um, uh, elegant, just elegant, simple, beautiful depiction. Especially coming from an orthodox perspective, where I'm naturally biased toward a geocentric model, and the visual how visually stunning that is just makes it very compelling to me, which obviously isn't an argument, but it, it, it just is how I feel. <laughs> Semper Fish says, Dark Matter is a great song by Porcupine Tree. Who's Porcupine Tree? Are you familiar, Matt? I am not. I've never heard is of Is that some hipster band? Oh, which reminded me, I was thinking about creating like a procedure to solve the hipster problem. Okay. And we would call it a hipsterectomy. <laughs> and what we would do is we would take hipsters <laughs> wearing their skinnies and their vans and whatever else, and we would strap them to a chair, and we'd get a vinyl copy of In the Aeroplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel, and we'd beat the ever-living shit out of them until they repented <laughs> of their ways. <laughs> and then we'd let them go free as a new man. <laughs> what do you think? I thought you were going to say that we were going to take these hipsters to perform this hipsterectomy. We were going to take these hipsters and tie them down to a chair and start cutting them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just going to make you emo instead. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, do you guys think creation came from God speaking into existence? Yes. Which actually that even lends it makes this sort of a model seem even more credible to me because thinking of the significance of the word a word and what a word is that it dealing with speech and with sound and light and the the connection or sorry the connection between sound and light and uh um it just just uh, this sort of model seems to get a lot more in the direction of seeming to correspond to a, a biblical perspective of the world that it just seems more compelling to me um, and particularly, I don't know if you could really see that well in the video that he showed there, but you have that, that plane in the middle and then you have like the, the, like the dome above and then you have the dome below. And, um, so then 
effectively what it would mean is that we're not living on a sphere, we're living in a sphere, which I think is very interesting that, like, how do I say this? I was thinking about this the other day that you have, so you have the, the, the sandal model of the earth as a globe and then it, but it's like an oblate spheroid because it's kind of flattening out because of its supposed, according to the standard model, because of the, the, the rate of it um, spinning, it's causing it like to bulge in the middle. And I said, I was thinking it was kind of interesting that even the standard model is like, it's round, but it's flattening. So like, is it, there's like a flatten, there's like a flat aspect to it where it's going through this flattening process. And I think that in order to have, if we assume the standard model is, is contrived bullshit, then it would have to bear some, I think it would have to bear some correspondence to actual reality in order to still work for us to basically be operating according to a completely wrong perspective of reality, but still being able to build things that work. So being on the inside of a sphere instead of an outside of a sphere would be like a, like there's like an inversion there where it makes everything work. But even if we're wrong, it still, it still works out. That sort of thing is, is very interesting to me. And then it would also have some overlap with the hollow earth idea because if we're dealing with this sphere and we live on the inside of it, then it's kind of like a hollow sphere, um, which would be kind of like the hollow earth. Uh, anyways, so maybe we'll talk more about, uh, about flat earth in the future. Maybe we won't, I don't know. Um, I think it'd be kind of interesting to talk to this Austin guy and get his, uh, um, hear more of, I, it, it's hard to find content of, the flat earthers who are actually making a positive case for their own worldview, as opposed to just debating, which is just critiquing the globe models and the globe models are, are I appreciate the critiques. I think a lot of them are very accurate. Um, but I want to hear more of them talking, like positing, um, their own actual, uh, philosophy and this stuff with Nikola Tesla, I'd be, I'd be interested to learn a lot more about the connections there. Um, the whole like three, six and nine thing. Okay. And was on to some patterns and yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also be interested to hear Randall Carlson's take on something like this, like how he would, cause obviously he's a Freemason. He's all into the sacred geometry and everything. And, uh, that was one other thing I wanted to say real quick before we get out of here is the instinctive, like, Oh, he's a Freemason. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. We all get it. Okay. We understand like the Freemasons are gay, <laughs> but like, that doesn't mean that anything associated with the things the Freemasons talk about, therefore, oh, I just can't, yeah. Like, sacred geometry does not belong to the Freemasons. Christians were the OG colonizers. And if we need to colonize sacred geometry, then you better damn well be sure that we're going to go colonize sacred geometry. And I don't care if the, if the, the, the uh, Freemasons or the Mormons or, or like whoever, I don't care who's, who's actually claiming dominion over these sorts of things. This is all part of creation and we worship the creator of the universe. So the Freemasons can get bent and I don't care about people crying about them. You can build a church on top of the ashes of their stupid lodges. That's right. That's right. So anyways, interesting connection between these two subjects today. Both of them have to deal with uh, um, very large constructs being um, erected and uh, these, these belief structures that where you can... You can even see something directly in front of you and you have to doubt your the uh, doubt your eyes. You have to doubt what you're actually seeing because we live in such a fascinating meta world 
that um, whether you're talking about our politics or our physics, we're still dealing with this same phenomenon of perception and reality and what's real, what's performance. Anyways, I hope this is an interesting show for you guys. We went twice as long as we planned. I thought we'd get through this in an hour, but uh, we don't do everything. We don't do anything on time. So I appreciate you, Cooper, staying longer than anticipated. You're welcome. Again, like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff. If you want to join the King Pill Discord, uh, we actually watched several more of this guy's videos in the King Pill Discord uh, uh, the other night. I don't remember what night it was. Christmas night, maybe. And uh, um, had a really good time. I just live streamed the videos and a couple of people came in and we chatted about them. So uh, we have a good time in there. If you guys would like to join for now, subscribestar.com slash kingpilled. That'll get you in there. Um, we do, and it's taken longer than we expected with me getting AIDS and whatnot, but um, we do have some new stuff coming that I think you guys are going to really enjoy. And if you get in now, then you'll automatically be grandfathered in with the new stuff that, that, that comes on comes online. So thank you guys. Merry Christmas. Hope you enjoy the rest of your 2023. And do you have any last words, Cooper? Uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>